Hello everyone and welcome to the Redmen TV. Yes, it's the final weird show after Sheffield United 2, Liverpool 0, Amsterdam Hood, joined by Dan Club and by Peter Kenny Jones to talk all about the Reds or maybe the Purples win on the road. Dan, it was an interesting one really because if you look at the stats of the game and we'll talk, talk about them in depth later, Liverpool completely dominated that game. Yet, for the entirety of that game, it, it felt like watching a horror movie where you're just waiting for the fella to take the wrong turn or something to go wrong because Liverpool just didn't quite put it to bed. It, it, it could have been so much easier. They made us work for it, but ultimately you walk away with a lot a lot more positives and everything's fine. But during that 90 minutes, it felt anything but. Yeah, certainly second half, because as it goes on, it is still 1-0. That's obviously the, the most slender advantage you could possibly have. So you're right, you, you, it's a horror movie. And not only is it that, it's one you've seen all too often yeah. because you just <laughs> never know what's going to happen. And the, the, the onslaught never really came from Sheffield United. I thought first 15, 20 minutes, the crowd obviously bang up for it the Chris Wilder homecoming all that type of stuff but it never really felt like we were under siege at any point however all it takes is we've seen it again millions of times all it takes is one cross to bounce in the wrong place you know a hand to be sort of out of the silhouette of the body and it hits someone and then all of a sudden there's 1-1 and we're the ones scrapping and fighting to win the game so yeah I would have liked Liverpool to made it slightly more comfortable but that isn't necessarily always the case and those type of wins actually and you're right it was quite a professional performance from the Reds yeah. and I think you know, early-ish goal and then sealing it later on. We've done that quite a lot under Klopp. It feels like a very Klopp-esque win away from him. I remember being at West Ham years ago and it was a bit like that Chamberlain scored later on to sort of wrap it up. So, yeah, ultimately, good job and a good job. Pretty well done, really. And if you look at the stats, Pete, like, it's interesting because if I said to you, Liverpool had 15 shots, 8 on target, 76% possession, 12 corners and then Sheffield had 6 shots 1 on target 24% 2 corners you think that was just a dominating <laughs> performance because every stat suggests it but what but what it became was more it's one of those things that seems easier in hindsight once you've done it if that makes sense because during the game I don't know how you felt but I was like I've seen this before we've been here against newly promoted teams we've seen it all before 87th minute something's going to bounce to the lad it's going to go in off Kelleher's arse or something yeah. uh, how was you feeling during the game was you a bit as nervous as I potentially was yeah well I think you know you're always worried aren't you well is it that one point we've had obviously against Luton and it was one point last season newly promoted sides and it's always been a bit of a worry for us, hasn't it? But I think, you know, we went straight in and we, we got that goal and I think the message then was to try not not kill the game so much, but we were passing it around where we but then as you said, that charge never really came from then and then I think we got too comfortable and then you started seeing like a few sloppy passes and then it's heart in the mouth, but then they then tried to get the second goal, then that never worked either. And you, as you say, you're just always expecting the worst. But you know, maybe we should have a bit more confidence in this side because of where we are at the moment and what we've done in the past. And you know, I think we've shown a point away at City to come back against Fulham and then a scrappy win like that. They're all maybe title defining results. So let, let's hope that it means something at the end of the season. Absolutely, I mean, touch wood, touch wood, you're right because mm. it, it's, it's interesting. Again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, the overall points before we go into individuals and stuff. That game was perfect for Liverpool. Touch wood, no injuries. They manage the minutes of the best players, pretty much all of them, you know, give or take. He, yeah. he, so Salah gets Salah's off, you get Diaz off, you get McAllister, we'll see how he is, obviously he gets a bit of a knock. Mm -hmm. That's the only slight injury, but yeah, he said it was a, it was a stitches, he, he, he should be all right. Trent, sorry, uh, Gomez plays because so, um, so Kostas good. doesn't have to play. It feels like in the end, it's a 2-0 away win where everyone's got a bit of a rest or a bit of minutes, most of them anyway. You, you get to play Saturday, which definitely has an impact on it. Mm. And I do wonder how the fixture schedule maybe impacted that game because it's a changed team and then you make more changes. It did feel like... It got to a point at the end, I was like, it's almost like a bit of a League Cup team, this, with Virgil mm. van Dijk and, you know, at the back and sent on because there was so much going on. It, it does feel like they had half an eye on the weekends as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And as you've kind of referenced there, it's the perfect night's work in many sense because you manage to take off some of them key lads and freshen it up, which, you know, in-game can be viewed as a little bit of a risk because when you're taking off someone as important, as essentially inevitable when it comes to scoring goals or at least providing them as Mohamed Salah mid-game with it 1-0, you do look at that and you go, oh, all the fears we had about 
maybe something bouncing Sheffield United's way. If they do come home to roost, all of a sudden we've got a real problem. Now, whilst the balance of play was very much in our favour and we were dominating possession, keeping all the ball, all that type of stuff, again, you just never know. So when you take off some key lads, you think, oh, this is a little bit little bit um, too close to the too close to the wind for my liking. But yeah, I think Klopp will be made up and you know, he, he probably knew going into this with making a few changes, with not the ideal lineup. When you mentioned Joe Gomez at left back, like that's probably his third favourite position to play. So you're clearly going there under strength in inverted commas. So to get away from there, as you say, without any real major worries when it comes to fitness or injuries and pick up three points and a clean sheet, it's massive really. And that's a bit of a bonus from our perspective because we haven't had to go to the well that much to get away with three points and that's just crucial. Right, let's go on to the major talking points of the game. And Peter, I'll start with you. Trent gets his arse off before we score. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen I've, I've ever seen anything no. quite like that before. <laughs> Jeff, he knew because it looked like he pulled his chest down a little bit before he did it. I, 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 has anyone ever had an assist with, with literally having their arse off before the assist? I don't know. Yeah, not that I know of. Maybe not at that <laughs> level. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Just me at six aside. I don't know. No, it was a pre-assist that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I think it was bad, wasn't it? I think you know. It, 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 I think he was lucky. It was Amazon Prime night when everyone was watching a different game, and maybe we <laughs> were the Hollywood one because if that's a, a Super Sunday late kickoff when everyone's <laughs> watching it, that's everywhere. And I, a surprise not to see it. One of my mates sent me the sticker on WhatsApp, and it was that quick to get spread around. But yeah, so I was watching it with my missus, and she was bursting out laughing, and it, it did take away a bit for the fact that we actually scored a goal. But it was well, well, yeah, distracted you maybe. Yeah, I don't know about you, I was very distracted, but him, um, yeah. It was, I think, an assist we'll never forget from Trent, and there's quite a few of them, isn't there? It's up there with, it's probably the second greatest corner he's ever taken now, Dan. <laughs> yes, you good point, yeah. You can't ever top Origi because obviously yeah. he's a Barcelona, but assistant Virgil van Dijk, vice captain to captain, <laughs> with your arse hanging out, is, is some doing like fair play to him. Yeah, it's levels. We've said it for a long time, haven't we? The thing is, you can do with a footy, no, no bounds, and he's just gone on to prove that once again. Yeah, it's a cracking assist, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Absolute, ah, absolute bummer for Sheffield United. But yeah. No, yeah, it was, it was a moment. Um, I was watching it, I was going, and obviously the fact that we do end up scoring from it, because that could have been any other run of the mill corner. That gets clear that near post we don't really yeah, speak about it do gone. we but because I mean you get to mention but the fact we score from it makes it a bigger deal than it was initially so yeah very odd uh, I said earlier on he must have known because it was freezing cold he'd have felt a draft wouldn't he he'd have to have felt a draft so he must have known it was happening but he clearly felt comfortable it was interesting I think Ian Doyle tweeted at the time like Sheffield United fans had just been singing you just a shit Kyle Walker to him because obviously Kyle Walker comes from there um, and he delivered with assist whilst his arse was out so it was ever saying like shut up lads you know we're talking about that was pretty much it quite bad in the discord cause a, a cheeky corner nice yeah. not, not the first yeah. time Chen's taking a cheeky corner it falls nice. down to the toe of Virgil van Dijk who mm. I, I don't know don't put, put words in anyone's mouth look like the best player on the pitch by a country mile yeah. again back when Virgil was at his absolute best you could bank on him for a couple of goals a season and things like that and he's probably he should score actually more than he does mm. he controls it really well there was some question of a foul in the build up I don't know what your thoughts were on that yeah I didn't think it was a foul personally I must admit I think you have to be so careful with contact at corners now there was a period just a couple of seasons ago now and we got one against Southampton I think it was Mike Dean gives a penalty early on the season because the the, the message to referees at the time was if people are pulling each other in the box are giving pens away and there was literally that one and everyone went well that's too soft you can't give that so we just stopped initially straight away done and I think I'm kind of still in the same boat because people are, it's six of one half a dozen the other for the majority of the time in areas there's trips going on there's pulling going on it's such a congested space that people are going to fall into each other people are going to trip over so I don't have a huge issue with that when it comes to the actual finish it was high quality obviously finds himself unmarked maybe because of the foul um, if you want to call it that but yeah I think it's a really brilliant, good delivery for a start um, and a high quality finish from Van Dijk and I think it's important that he starts chipping in with goals I think you're right in terms of he was on a different level to anybody on the pitch last night there's no two ways about that but he is a player he's so commanding in the air from a defensive standpoint and as is Canate in a, in a similar sort of vein they should score more goals for me they went through spells you mentioned Van Dijk obviously scores in the debut and you think okay go on then let's see you score 10 a season it's never quite worked out like that but I think he should chip in with more and likewise the Canate as well because they are so big 
and so powerful and they win so many headers and, and, and they're so good technically as well I'd like to see because Liverpool we've obviously got this firepower now at our disposal whereby the front three are just electric 90% of the time so we're going to score goals but having a bit of a smorgasbord of scorers across the pitch is amazing and if defenders can chip in it can only be a good thing certainly on nights like last night when the team are so so deep in Sheffield United and the way they want to attack you is set pieces so if you can hurt them at their own game you'll be thinking God we really are in trouble here and that's the thing and from, from a chef point of as well, Pete, they'll be gutted because if they'll be thinking if Liverpool tear us open and, and, and run run right through us and, and score a perfect goal, sound the last thing they'll be thinking is we can't let them score off a set piece, like that just can't happen for them from their point of view. Yeah, I think the only time we did actually get through the whole game was right before that corner as well. I think that was the one where Trent and Sobbers like yeah. played the one two mm-hmm. and then Gappo was free by post and it was, I think it was Jack Robinson who put it out. But other than that, all our best moments came from corners and crosses, didn't they? Which like, I'm sure Chris Wilder will be fuming about because that's mm-hmm. the, basically the one thing you can control, can't you? And you know, Van Dyke's so good in the air, we know what he offers us. and it, he could have scored one before. I think there was a lot of pulling and pushing before that, and it looked like we were focusing on that. That Fotheringham never really seemed to come and get, catch one in the air, did he? So I think it was a an effort from us as well, which you know maybe you wouldn't expect a Jurgen Klopp side to go to Sheffield United and try and play crosses in the box, but it worked for us really. So I think all our best moments came from that, and that's only going to be frustrating for them. We, we, I don't know if it gets spoken about enough, maybe Dan, but we had a, we had brains. I said, please. Like, it's it's been a feature of Jurgen's time, yeah. Mm. We do we are we we score loads from like if you look at the stats, we score always up there. Yeah, I mean it does, it, it helps when you've got someone like Trent Alexander Arnold who can put the ball in. Simicast is a good corner taker. We've Thomas Live was doing the other side. He was doing them as well. But it did feel like like Peter Wright, our biggest threats. Did I always felt like a goal is tipping one over the bar was actually good for us. Or you know not, a little deflection by Alex Arnold because mm. that did look like most of our threat was going to come from. Ebu has a good header, doesn't he? That goal, I mean, it's a bit of a dramatic save, but he yeah. gets across and saves it. But it did feel like our, our biggest threat did feel like it was going to come from a set piece. So it wasn't a shock when the goal came from it. No, not at all. No, absolutely. I think you're right when you mentioned sort of the quality we have in terms of delivery. It shouldn't be a shock to anyone that we do uh, the very worst create moments from these type of um, situations where corner set pieces, free kicks, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think, like I say, from a Sheffield United standpoint, you would be absolutely furious because you go into that game thinking, right, we might not be able to match him in certain departments, but the one place we can sort of at least stand up to be counted for will be from corners and that. And when you find yourself wanting two or three times and then ultimately concede, it must be disappointing. But yeah, Liverpool, and why not? Like, why not have many ways to sort of skin the cat and score goals? Because yeah, you've got Mohamed Salah, I mean, he's about to get his 200th goal at some point for Liverpool, like absolutely ridiculous numbers, Gakpo, Nunes, whatever. But sometimes, for whatever reason, it doesn't quite click like that. And when you do come up against teams, because we're Liverpool, no matter where we go, apart from a few choice clubs in the Premier League, teams are going to sit back and make life difficult. So you need different ways of hurting teams. I mean, we, we employed a throwing coach for God knows how long to try and break teams down that way. So yeah, I think I think it's pivotal that Liverpool do that. And of course, defensively as well, because I think last year we were sort of short of the mark when it comes to defending set pieces, certainly in certain games, Brentford. Um, but yeah, I think it's absolutely crucial. And again, I think Van Dijk and Canate would both look at their numbers in recent times and go, we fell short a little bit. So I think they'd want to chip in with more. Even Matip as well. Even Matip. Yeah. It's worth mentioning as well. They have, they have, they have scored. By the way, these people. But you know, when in the back in the day, you see John Terry and Rio Ferdinand getting like five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine. I think they could do that personally. I was looking at Van Dijk's stats as well. So the year we win the Champions League, he gets six goals. The year we win the title, he gets five goals. Since then, it's been one, three, three, and then obviously it's not bad. But it's, it's not. Like, he has twenty in his in his entire Liverpool career, which is I know he's a yeah. centre half. He's played how many games? Two hundred thirty-six. One in ten, roughly, which isn't horrendous from a centre back, but it always feels Peter. Yeah. He is so big and dominating, and his quality is so good. You do feel like. He, he, he probably could do more yeah. if he can start chipping in with a few more now and it's worth mentioning Liverpool's last what three league games now they've scored what's that six, six seven, seven yeah. no eight and they haven't and um, no seven and they haven't <laughs> had a striker score any of those obviously yeah. the last time we, a striker scored in the league was Brentford they, they got a couple against Lask of course but if, if other lads can start chipping in with goals as well it's, it's not gonna it's gonna make this a lot easier because I think we saw at times last year there was like we all think of the sevens and uh, you know when we battle United we battle Leeds but there was also games 
where the front three just weren't firing. Salah misses a pen or someone Nunes snatches at once. Like, could someone else just bail these lads out? Yeah. It does feel like there's, there's potentially more goals in this Liverpool side across the board than maybe there was last season. I'm, I'm starting to see that with Sobis, I guess, the second, of course. We've seen Trent now scoring goals as well. It does feel like there's, there's an opportunity for the goals to be a bit more spread out. Yeah, we need more weapons in your Arsenal and that's the mm. thing. I think even Joe Gomez looks like he's on the cusp of scoring he's, he's, his he's first goal. He's getting closer. <laughs> so I think, like, I think he had a half volley on his left foot from the edge of the box which was decent but I don't think three years ago he would have tried that there seems to be a lot of confidence within all of them that they can help out and as you say Van Dijk probably has more shots on goal than like Diaz does every game for us from the amount of chances we get from corners I think it was the one right after when we scored he had another header didn't he and then say Canate's always up Matip's always up and you know, maybe if we had Nunes, it was maybe playing like he saw him at Benfica because he scored some massive headers. He hasn't really had like a, a proper power get your neck behind a header for us yet, has he? So maybe if we play on that a bit more, but obviously we're normally against 10 men behind the ball and you can't really put it in the box, so it's all on the corners. But yeah, everyone adds to it. And we see what Sobber's like does for Hungary where he skips round them, scores free kicks. He can do that. Endo comes in. McAllister tried another world. He did the, mm. the, the half volley. So there's definitely goals in there. As you say, if Salah has an off day, you're praying on the others not to. But you know, if you have a lot of other players who can score, it's a massive, massive advantage. A hundred percent is. Let's. I want to speak to. I'm going to go through some of the team down and just have a chat about them because um, the, Anfield, the guys over the Anfield Index was Ben Bosak, who who's first. It was like Ibu Kanate completed the most passes on the pitch, won the most duels. So he won twenty. He won. He didn't lose a serial ingle. Sorry, he didn't lose a single aerial duel. Easy for me to say, winning <laughs> fourteen of them. Yeah. It was interesting with Ibu because <laughs> the eye test to me suggested, and there was a couple of times. It's the one when he gives the ball away, really, and he gives a couple of cheap fouls away. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to go away to Sheffield United and they're going to play bombs away footy, him and Van Dijk were imperious. They didn't give them a sniff in the air. Where you mentioned it, it, in the past, you've you, you've gone away, and if a big centre forward wins that first head, then you think, oh, this could be a long day. Yeah. Like they did, him and Canard, him and Van Dijk, sorry, Canard and Van Dijk. In, they won everything. That was a good, good performance, especially with the ball in the air. Them long throw-ins with Jack Robinson's brilliant long throw-in taker mm-hmm. didn't really cause a problem. It was Liverpool's first contact. There was one near the end when Trent makes a wonderful defensive header. Mm-hmm. It did feel like their plan was to maybe unsettle Liverpool a little bit with the ball in the air as high as they can, and we dealt with it so well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, none of it were there. I think you're right on the Canati stuff because I think eye test-wise, there were a couple of moments where you go, "Oh, I'm not sure." But well, he that. forgot. To, he forgot to look at the ball when he, he was controlling. To, yeah, yeah. Went straight under his foot yeah. and he looked up too soon because I think he was looking for his pass because yeah, his passing last night was outrageous. Yeah, a couple of cross, yeah, yeah, cross yeah, field yeah. balls, a couple of diagonals were just ridiculous, um, yeah. which I don't really associate with him necessarily. No. That's more of his mate alongside him. But yeah, and he actually tries to atone for the error, doesn't he, by chasing back and fouling that about four times before he eventually, <laughs> eventually brought him down and got booked. But yeah, I think I think they were very, very, very good in the air last night, the pair of them. And it wasn't just winning those duels, they were bullying the lad out of it a lot of the time as well. There's a couple of moments where Van Dyke has won in the left-hand corner right by the corner flag where the guy tries to skip round him and he does just push him aside and go I don't know where the hell you think you're going my <laughs> mate not a chance but also I'd like to mention Keller in this because obviously he makes that big save yeah. one-on-one that's the one big save he's asked to do sorry if you're going to touch on it but moments later there's a Jack Robinson throw in comes from like the clearance and he comes out and claims that so that's another sort of are you going to try and hit us that way the keeper's going to come and get it and that was massive for him but also it was a sort of a, a stamp of authority for Liverpool they have to say yeah, you can't hurt us that way either with the centre-backs winning all their aerial stuff. Liverpool, pretty much everything they threw at us last night, they must have been thinking, well, we can't get them that way, we can't get them that way, so we'll go aerial, and then Canato's winning all his aerial duels. That's a massive effort. So, yeah, I mean, it might have been slightly more difficult had McBurney been there. There would have been certainly a lot more elbows getting thrown yeah, in. I mean, smashing, yeah, smashing yeah. But, but regardless <laughs> of that, you can only come up against what you're coming up against, and we dealt with it brilliantly. I, wanted to, I did want to touch on the goal, but it is worth mentioning. Obviously, Joe Gomez gets caught on the ball. I think there were times, in fact, let's do Gomez first, where you can tell he is so right-footed. He is very, he is a very uncomfortable. And Liverpool ends that game actually with a lot of almost square pegs and round holes. You know, you've got Harvey Elliott playing right wing. You've got a bit of Gravenberg ends up on the left. Sobersly ends up. Like, it, it did feel like all over the place. Yeah. And this is what we, this is where we're at until Andy Robertson's back with Joey Gomez. And I thought Gomez was good. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was decent, but he is very right-footed. And that's how he gets himself in a little bit of bother there. It. Fair play to him because I think he's having a good season, but that did show, like, you know, that is why you want, you know, Liverpool's left, two left backs are left footed for a reason. Like, he it, it, it got himself in a little bit of bother, he, he has to come inside a little bit. It just feels like something we're going to have to work around when he's there because it is what it is. It's, yeah. I don't think we have, did we have any left footers on the pitch last night? I'm not even sure. Like, 
Maybe Verge is Verge. Well, Elliot, 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 not even. Is Elliot when he comes on? Elliot when he comes on. But I was thinking every corner was like an outswinger. Yeah. Because he didn't have anyone to take them kind of thing. Or in swing and depending on the side. But what what did you make of Gomez at left back? Yeah, well, I think he had more defensive stability. That's why he's there, isn't he? I think when he plays at right back, we worry a little bit. Not like overtly, but he's a centre back, isn't he? So to ask him to play right back, you almost like allow him a little bit of like maybe a straight pass. It's not maybe out position. You know what I mean? You allow him a bit more, a few more mistakes, and then to put him left back, wrong foot, playing even more out of position, and it's understandable. Add on to that, he never really gets to run a games. I don't remember the last time he started like five games in a row. It's probably when we won the league, and it really. So, you know, you you have got to give allowances for these people. And like we saw like Curtis Jones last year when he wasn't in the side and you're like you're worried about him, but as soon as he had that run towards the end of the season, he's a totally different player. So I think Gomez, as you say, he's had a lot of involvement this season. It's really good again, touch woods about the the injuries for him, because that's massive, especially when I'm sure we'll touch on with Matter later. But he's gonna be a, a crucial player for us. I think we saw Again, in the derby, how good he could be at left back, and you know, I was happy for him to come in for Simicas, and then obviously you've got to rest him because he's playing every minute, and in and Luke Chambers is so young. So for what he is in the squad, I thought he played well in that position, other than a very scary start to the game, which thankfully we got away with. Yeah, you meant you meant Dan mentioned before, Steve Kelleher will say a lot of confidence because if that goes in. That's the that's the only shot to feel nice on side mm. the whole game. By the way, it's a good save from Keller. Yeah. But if 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 they new manager home game. Liverpool fuck up basically. You know, someone gives the ball away and they run mm. and score. That grounds electric, and, and again you're like, oh, where we go again? Liverpool away from home. Blah 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 blah. It, it is a very important game. It's, it, it's a very important save in the context of the game that it, that we shouldn't feel like Keller played a big part there because yeah. I wouldn't. I was wondering how was he thinking going in after the Fulham game. Yeah. Jürgen's quite in the press conference and backed him and said, I don't yeah. think it was mistakes. I thought he was good. He done what he's told. It was he got a bit hard lines with it. If it didn't feel like there was any nerves or anything because he just looks like that saves his hand and catches the throw in like Dan says straight yeah, yeah. away. And that's pretty much him done for the game. They don't have to do anything else. <laughs> but it, yeah. it did feel like there was no signs of a of a post Fulham hangover, which which yeah. was good news. Yeah, well I think with him and it's it's easy to always mention Pickford, but you know how mad he goes after the save. You know, Keller does that, he just carries on, he catches out the air, he didn't like roll around with it, he just caught it, plucked out the air, look for the pass. I think you know, that obviously playing with, with Allison and all that as well. He, that mentality that they've got it is just great to see. And then, you know, as you say, he's still a young keeper and like he still is a bit small. We were talking about it after the last game and, mm. you know, you, you're waiting for him to fill out a bit, but still he just, he looked like a man. And as you say, when he caught that cross and when he makes that save and, you know, as you say there, it goes under Gomez's foot and against Trent's heel, goes over his head and you're like, here we go. This is all the unluckiness we need here to lose this game. And then you're shocked almost with a great save and then, we just get on with it and if it wasn't for that it's a totally totally different game yeah if they score early doors yeah. and the pressure's on yeah the pressure on right um, let's, let's move on then I want, uh, <laughs> rather than talking about individuals in midfield let's talk about the midfield as a whole um, Dan I'll start with you it felt very fluid it felt like all, obviously McAllister it starts nominally as an 8 on mm-hmm. like a left hand side of the 8 so obviously on the right hand side of the 8 roughly an endo but it, it did feel like they, could, they were all doing a little bit of rotation. It was a bit like a basketball game where they were just all filling in for each other. Yeah. There was times when Endo came deep, Sobosly went deep. Uh, Endo ends up on the edge of the box a few times. Like It does feel like we, we talked about all summer and, and whatever. Jürgen, the, the, the rebuild of his midfield, the regeneration of Liverpool's midfield. It feels now, especially with the options we've got, and I can include when Jones and Gravenberg and even Elliot, when they all come on, mm-hmm. it does feel like Liverpool have got a lot of lads there who are comfortable doing all different types of roles in the field. Fabinho could never have done half an, you know, a number eight job for a while, or you know, he didn't really want other players doing those little bits and bobs. It did feel like Liverpool were quite comfortable in the field because they were all quite adept at being everywhere. They knew where the space was, they knew where they had to win a challenge, mm. and they were all fine with it. It, it, it was a real... I opened for me. I was watching at home on my own, so I wasn't distracted by work or the cameras or anything. Sometimes I can be, and I was like, it was interesting to just watch them all. Just like, oh yes, yeah, there's the space. I'll just drop into there, and you can include Trent Alexander Arnold in yeah. this as well. It did feel like this is the, that is the midfield Jagan wants. That's what he, that's what this team is now built around. It's completely different than what we're mm. used to. But I thought yes, there was a perfect example of it. I'd like your thoughts on it. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's probably in part because they've all played in a variety of different roles within that yeah. midfield. Probably apart from Harvey Elliott. Who who, of course, used to be right winger. He's been converted already to be a midfielder. So that probably helps because we've seen Curtis Jones do a few games in the six. Sabozla has done it previously, not necessarily for Liverpool, but in different 
incarnations he's played there. Endo, as we know, he is a more of a specialist six, but I've been quite impressed by his progressive work, actually. I think his stuff further up the field has been really good. His passing's good between the lines. Obviously, he's got a couple of goals to his name now. McAllister, we know about his versatility, of course. So it's not a huge shock to me to see those three in particular rotating quite a lot. And obviously, McAllister especially. It's been a strange one for McAllister because although he clearly is an eight sort of by trade, his performances in the eight have left a little bit to be desired. Now, I was amazed he started last night, if I'm being really honest. I felt like he was one who was going to get a rest. Endo for him felt like a no-brainer. And then you've got the likes of Curtis Jones to come in instead, but clearly felt like he could go again in the eight. But he never really... I think I've seen it was either... Um, it might have been Josh who does our deep dives over. He tweets something like, he had like five or six touches after like 45 minutes or 40 minutes of the game. It's a bit like, okay, that's not that's not loads, is it? You know what I mean? But again, on, on the midfield overall, I'll touch on that. I think it, was, it did a good job, actually. I think Endo was really impressive again. A couple of challenges which you might sort of look back on and go okay he might have been there a little bit quicker obviously gets booked in the first half as well but yeah it's not a huge job because ultimately they're all really intelligent footballers and Jürgen Klopp is using them in a way whereby he can they can all drop into different positions even Cody Gakpo you can include in that as well yeah, yeah. because he had another game last night where he's dropping deep at times and winning tackles I felt at times where, where Sheffield couldn't do anything to us because and I'll come to you on this because he couldn't get out because mm. in that middle of the park it was weird because Chrissy Wilder's known for the, this three at the back thing it felt like he just tried to match Liverpool up a little bit and go right 4-3-3 yeah. three, three, win your battles I've been here a day there's not too much I can do we'll work on it later but the it, it never was 4-3 v three because Liverpool, Trent was in there, or Gapo was dropping deep. The lads, like I say, Endo was over there, and McCarster was fine dropping in there, and Sobos like, oh, the space is over here, so Curtis Jones at one point is almost playing as a left-back because that's where the space was. It, yeah. did, it, it it was a completely different Liverpool performance than ones of the past, but it was one that I thought it was... It was you could just see by watching it, these lads are really good players technically and they've been well coached because they were all comfortable in all those positions you know you talk about like total football positionless football or whatever and I did feel at times all these lads were like Sant, well I just need to do this for five minutes because mm. that's what the game dictates and they were all okay doing it yeah well as I say Klopp's been there eight years now hasn't he and this is his midfield obviously you can't say the ones that came before were good but you know he inherited a few of them had to mould them these players have all only been there under him really he's so, them all yeah. And yeah. I think other than Sobber's like they all are quite interchangeable as well. We're happy for anyone to come on. And like, you know, just, we, again, we mentioned when Endo came on against Fulham, maybe there was a, bit, a few raised eyebrows. But I think other than that, any sub you make, really, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Let's go on with them. And that's a great position to be in, to not just have three great midfielders. You've got, we've got six, seven, who you're happy to watch play every week. And, you know, Endo took his chance. I thought it was, it was great to see him come in. And, you know, it's heart in the mouth when you see him dive in. You watch the replays and you go, oh, it was a yellow. But then you're thinking, is he going to be all right to the yellow? And, it, and he was. I think the only criticism of him is maybe he's not cute enough in his fouls. Like he, he's very obviously trying to go through someone. He's not, <laughs> he's not nudging them like, like Van Dyke did for the goal. But mm. yeah, I think, you know, it, it's it's refreshing to see that we have so many options. And as, as I say, I think Sobersai is still probably the best one we've got but other than him I think they're all of a similar quality in a very good way mm. and on Enzo I'll stick with you on him Pete what did you make of his performance in total because that's that's a you know, it, it's a it's rare a rare Premier League star for we've all been thinking like we designed this number six lads you're going to get many games and I think obviously I was I was like Dan I was surprised that it was him and McAllister I thought yeah. the, the idea would be to ro rotate between the two but Jürgen's obviously saw it differently but very combative, he gets stuck in. Like it was funny on the far, and the, the last time I got him sent off, and he's like, his English is all right. He's like, nah, mate. He's just, come, he's just shaking, he's got yeah. the big gum shield, he's going, nah, nah. Yellow at worst, yellow at worst. But yeah. what did you make of him overall? Yeah, well, I, I think he just he did really well. It's a massive job to play there. We all knew on paper it's, uh, you win 17 0 because we're so much better than them, but it's never like that when you play newly promoted club, new manager. And that was a big role for him to be in. And obviously, that's a, a crucial position, as we know, and why we're talking about them six role so much and yeah it, I thought he played he played well you know I would say he wasn't man of the match but he was a very good part of a very good team and you know he doesn't get many chances and he took his chance and he came on against Fulham changed the game he did well in the European games he's playing and then he's given another chance there so you know you can understand why the Stuttgart fans loved him because mm. he's just like he's all energy he proper loves it as you said he even calmed me down when he was explaining to the <laughs> opposition player that it wasn't the red I was like oh yeah you were right yeah so yeah other than when we understand why he's wearing a gum shield I think I'm fully behind him. It's also I'm the officer. I think I want everyone to wear gum shields. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I think I'm going to go the other way. Do you interest him on that? Still, also, I slide then down as well because he, he's a major factor. He scores a very good goal. Yes. 
PJ Mitchell he's probably the best midfielder we've got but if I don't know he feels like he's been a little bit off the boil recently yeah. and even yesterday I don't think it was just, again the best Dom Sobers live performance we ever saw but he still has those little moments of quality and the goal we'll talk about we, I want, we'll just talk about his finish for now we'll talk about the rest of it later but he has got that in his locker as well the, the first touch and the, and the strike it's easy to get that wrong and yet it, was, it, it always felt like he was going to score. Yeah, it was a finish of sort of a 30-goal-a-season striker, wasn't it, as opposed to a number of eight who chips in with some worldies every now and then. But yeah, I agree. I don't think he's quite been at it the past few weeks. I mean, he started off his Liverpool career like it was the most seamless thing in the world, didn't he? Like, oh, don't worry about me, lads. I'm basically Steven Gerrard. It's slightly dipped since then, but you can't really maintain that sort of level because it was just freakish for a little while there. But whether it be a fitness thing or just a minute thing, I'm not quite sure. But clearly, Jürgen Klopp, understand just how integral he is to Liverpool still because again even though he wasn't sort of full of quality and full of wow moments he still has that industry still got that endeavour he's still clearly working so hard for the team because we spoke about Ryan Gravenberch quite a lot and I'm a big fan of Gravenberch I think sort of eye test wise to come back to that phase he's just brilliant to watch he's, he's just fun he makes things happen but there's something about him right now that might be a little bit fitness related but he doesn't quite understand what's required clearly Sir like understands what's required because you mentioned there of all the changes we made and all the different lads in different positions to keep Sobber's eye on for 90 minutes is testament to just how highly Klopp rates him because that could have got a little bit disjointed last night but Sobber's eye was a key factor as to why it didn't because he just understands what's required and he carries it out perfectly and as you say to, to sort of round off the game in that style in that moment it just shows his quality because early on in his Liverpool career, it was just every moment, every touch felt like it was like, wow, what have we got here? That hasn't quite been the case, but still he comes up with the goods. I want to talk about Trent next, if you don't mind, Pete. Um, this might be the most confident Trent Alexander-Arnold we've seen for a long time. You know, the corner with our house was brilliant, don't get me wrong, but like some of the things he was attempting, the little sidewinder pass was outrageous. The, the, he goes round the outside of his boots, just overhits it to Luis Diaz. He looks like a fella, and he has another really good game, defensively sound as well, it's worth mentioning, where he just looks like he's, you know, he's the vice-captain now. He, he feels like he, the main man. He's been the main man for a couple of weeks. He's got some big moments. He's got himself a celebration trademark and all that kind of stuff. It, it does feel like Trent's starting to really grow into his role in this football team. Like he, he knows he's one of the best players and he's starting to play like it yeah. all the time. Yeah, definitely. I think it's all changed for us since that Arsenal game on the last season when we drew and that was the first game where he played inverted. I think we've had an unbelievable... I think we've only lost one and that was the Spurs game, so that yeah. doesn't count. So we haven't lost in the <laughs> league since, since he came in. So I think that says a lot for how much better we've got since he's played in that position. And you know whether pe- people will try and spin that to say that's Klopp not playing him in midfield, which I don't think it is. It's a new role and he just looks so much better. As in, and as you said, that vice-captaincy has just seemed to take him to a whole new level. I think that Newcastle game was massive when he was in the corner getting the fans going. Mm. Like he's, He now feels more responsibility that he has to do stuff like that. And maybe that he's allowed to do stuff like that because when you're a young player, you probably you would feel a bit awkward saying to the fans, come on, but now it is his job. So he's got that. And then on top of all that, he's just really good at football, isn't he? So <laughs> that, that does help. So And he's got his new boots on that have definitely improved him. And I think, mm. you know, it's the last three games he's had, he's, he's been absolutely crucial for the results that we've got. And as you say, those three could be something that we really look back to at the end of the season and he's pro- arguably been one of if not the best player in all three of them it's interesting as well Dan because I've got this post here from um, from Andrew Bees and yes. I, know Chris, I know Chris and Josh touched upon this in the deep dive updated of course since other games which I'll try and speak about later but since Liverpool started doing the inv- inverted midfield I think often with Trent Alexander-Arnold mm-hmm. they've got 58 points in the 25 games since they started doing it now which is more points than anyone in the league City in those 25 games have got 55 Arsenal have got 51 it kind of makes a mockery of the put Trent in midfield stuff. Yeah, it does. Because Liverpool are doing really well with Trent being right back and then dropping into midfield if you need him and that being your break glass stuff. Mm. It, it, we are running games with our right back slash inverted midfielder type guy and he's doing it. He, you can tell he's confident doing it as well. Some of them some of them were outrageous. Some of the things he did yesterday were just like, how, how will you even see that? Never mind attempt it. And then some, to pull some of them off. But also the little the little two-yard passes around the corner to end the little one-twos just to open himself space. Mm. It does feel like he's got a, a great understanding of that role. And again, did you, do you think we saw that last night a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's flourishing in it, isn't he? He's enjoying every single moment of it. I think he's been desperate. I mean, we've all seen, we, we forget just how influential he has been from right back, you know, and, and the assists and some of the crazy stuff he's done from that position 
as well. But getting him a little bit more central, getting him on the ball more, essentially, is absolutely pivotal because we've seen in the Fulham game just gone that we did lose him for 10 minutes there. And in that 10 minutes spell, Liverpool lost their way completely. We got him back into the game and all of a sudden, off we went again. So he, I've said it a few times, but he's got this innate, ridiculous, world-class footballing ability. And when you sort of couple that with the stuff that Peter mentioned there in terms of the vice-captaincy, the added responsibility, the fact he absolutely adores his football club and he wants to do the best for it, you get performances like you're getting right now. But you're right. When when he's feeling himself like he is in the moment and he's got this just ridiculous confidence level where he's willing to try stuff, and even if it doesn't come off, it doesn't really matter because you mentioned there he tried a pass last night and it reminded me not quite as good as Xavi Alonso's assist all them years ago, but he was left-footed on the spin around the corner. And you think, how do you even like contemplate trying that? And let alone in a Premier League game, it, it is freakish what he's able to do. And, you know, the longer he stays in this little moment whereby nothing's impossible to him, the longer he can continue this type of form and this type of confidence, the better for Liverpool. Certainly at the moment with all these fixtures coming up and the level of game we've got coming just around the corner as well. If he can stay like this right now, Liverpool, there's no reason why we can't continue to win games because he's so good. And he's such a driving factor behind us at the moment that there's no real sort of fixture we look at and go, okay, even the Man, Man City away a couple of weeks ago and our right back is the guy popping up. Like, he, he's a joke right now. <laughs> yes, he really was excellent. Um, I want to talk about Darwin Nunes before I go on to another couple of points and I'll stick with you on this one, Dan. Hey, Liverpool, say what you like about Darwin and he gets the ups and downs we say it every single week. But... You get Liverpool have struggled to create chances in that game. I think it's fair to say they got you know their goalkeeper Fotheringham. I don't know if he's that good, but Liverpool are hardly testing him. Hmm. Nunes comes on, gets a one on one, does goal actually does quite well. I don't think Nunes does too much wrong on that one. It'd have been interesting. I think we'd have been getting some very hard lines out of it. Yeah. It, it, was, it was tight. Then he goes into the right wing position, basically goes through the back of someone and somehow doesn't foul him, which Chris Wilder wasn't too happy with. I mean, maybe it was a foul, but whatever. And then laser on a pay for Sabos. Like so, in in a in a cameo that wasn't that long, hmm. strike assist. It, 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 it's it's all the time. Like it, it, you can't deny it. He'll do our heads in at times, but when he is on the pitch, the people are better. They create more chances. And things happen in front of goal. Yeah, exactly that, really. Things do happen when Darwin Nunes is around. And it was a little bit stale, really, in terms of the front for me. I don't think it ever truly clicked for them. Even Salah, I think he's desperate to start off that 200th goal. That needs to happen sooner rather than later. He's having shots when he needs he, to pass yeah, the ball. He's yeah. snatching his stuff. <laughs> and he's just, that needs to happen for the good of everyone so we can all move we on with our lives. I said a pen, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but Nunes, yeah. And he comes on and you're right. Like Not everything's perfect all the time for from it on occasion but whatever whatever you say about him like all of a sudden you know you've got people in space you know because the defender's mind is so concentrated on I know I can't leave him because I know if I leave him he's going to hurt me so he attracts attention which frees up room for other people and then all of a sudden he finds himself in behind because he's got that electric pace to burn and you know yeah the the finish for me again he probably should do better personally I think I think it was one of them score the goal worry about the offside later you know what I mean we'll deal with the VR in a minute if we need to but you know it is endeavour and his sort of never say die attitude for the assist in particular to go and win the ball back is it's Darwin Nunes in a nutshell really isn't it he had a 15-20 minute cameo there whatever it ended up being and it was probably the most sort of action we've seen in the final third for the whole game and that's again love him hate him you know get frustrated by him whatever it is with Darwin Nunes you can't deny that Liverpool with him in the team at the moment are a a more threatening side basically and (laughs) He's another one. He gave his own VAR decision as well, Peter. He's like, I love that little and then he, yeah, and, he, and he starts to be like, uh, kiss, yeah. starts like kissing one of their players, yeah. doesn't he, as well? Like, he's, he's box off and he's like, don't yeah. foul him. Don't yeah, check the VAR. Awesome. It's Sam, it's no problem at all. He's saying, I promise, was there fair powers and such. He's great to me. But I think when, they, like, when he's on the pitch, you think, oh, I wish Gakpo had that chance and he scores. But mm. when Gakpo's on the pitch, he just he doesn't do anywhere near as much as Nunes. So you just need like the the perfect combination of them two and you know, you've got probably a 30, 40 goal a season striker there. But, you know, as you say, you can't argue against what he provides us. And, you know, we always say he's chaos. We always say this, but he, he just he is box office, everything. And I think we criticised him for against Fulham when he smacked that shot and it hit the bar. And to be fair to him, he tried to take his time and side foot it and he still didn't score. So he just needs to recapture that Newcastle form when he mm. just managed to put them right at the bottom corner and 
finds a way to get that because I think I can't imagine they're not doing it. But you just feel like he just needs to be sat out with the balls all day, just smacking every time, just find that corner like like Salah said he used to do. And once he gets that unearned confidence back up with the goal, he is just going to be one of the league's best, if not yours. Actually, in the comments, yes, as well. I think. You know, I think the goalkeeper closed the anti-angle down well yeah. there. We and we always look more dangerous with him on the field. It's simple as that, and we do that. You can't you can't deny that Liverpool looked more threatening as soon as he's on the pitch. Um, a couple, one more moment I want to speak about actually before I, I want do you want to react to the Joel Matip news unfortunate news as well. Um, your old next door neighbour, I'm right in saying Jack Robinson, is that right? Not me out next, he went out with me next door neighbour. Like, so, so, yeah, so, so their fans, I don't know if they're singing feed the scouts, <laughs> he said, so, and he's about to take one of his long throws, and the mics audibly pick him up and go, I'm a scouser. Yeah. Like, first of all, is he, is he, I thought he was from Warrington, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll let him away with him if he wants to call himself a scouser. People in Warrington and Wigan and attend to him. Like when they're on all these, I'm from Liverpool, you're not, lad. You're from Wigan, you're from Warrington. But yeah, uh, it was fair enough, like, fair enough to Because I, I used to always think sometimes, Wayne Rooney is just standing there when Man United fans are just singing these songs or other scouts who've gone away. But fair play to Jack. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not having that. I'm a scouser too. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a, you applaud it, don't you? And as you say, <laughs> that's what we saw yesterday. I don't want to change the mood. Obviously, you saw the, the Hillsborough law and all mm. stuff like that. You know, I think we all are proud to be scouts, aren't we? And that, is, that, that was great for him to do that. You know, obviously, not only scouts used to play for us as well. Mm. And it is hard to speak against your own fans sometimes, but we also have fair play to it. And to be fair, it's a throwaway comment as he's taking a throw and he's probably unlucky there's a mic right by his foot and no one would have ever spoken about it. But at the same time, we're all happy he did and you know, no one has any bad thoughts, I'm sure, about Jack Robinson who didn't have much of a career but definitely played for us, but he goes up in everyone's estimation. Yeah. You know, that's Are you going to give him his clothes back? <laughs> okay, well, you, you want me to tell the story? Yes, you went out with me next door and he bet, <laughs> they split up, bag of clothes, give them, them to me, I've got a pair of all Saints jeans and then a Hugo Boss polo, which one of my mates said I look like I wear in Mackey's and so I stopped wearing that one. But yes, I do still have it at home, so there's any um, any keen Jack Robinson fans <laughs> getting me DMs and yeah. I'll see if I get him to sign him for you. Yeah. Get him off it's a vintage, you can get him sold. Yeah. One sworn by former Liverpool <laughs> Sheffield United yeah. defender Jack Robinson. And, did you, and you yeah. wore them? Yeah, of course, yeah. Did you? Oh, right, days, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I weighed a bit less. I don't say you don't look like he had a bad summer, yeah. Yeah, they're great, yeah. If you want a pair of Jack Robinson's jeans, get into Pete's DMs, he's got that on sale. Fantastic. But overall, then, Dad, I want to touch on the Matip stuff quickly, but before we do, Liverpool job done. And what makes the day better? I'm just going to bring the league table up now, of course. I mean, it was a bit It was a bit of a... We're already at that stage, unfortunately, where we're watching other teams. And like, when Declan Rice scores off a goal in the 97th minute of a 96-minute game, everyone's like, ah. But... Liverpool are now second on 34 points just two off Arsenal who play Aston Villa next and Aston Villa have won like 16 or something games on a row at home they've just beaten Manchester City Manchester City have now gone four games in the league without a win Mm -hmm. and yet we're only four points above them which again in itself is crazy but it did feel like a, a significant night in the title race there where City drop points away from home Liverpool win and I'm you know they're two games clear, effectively. They're two better results away from Manchester City. They're on the coattails of Arsenal, Villa. You've got to take them seriously at this point as well. But it was a significant win, that one, especially given the context of what happened at Villa Park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And all the ingredients were there for potential banana skin, weren't they, for the Reds? Because we've all spoken about the fact that our record in these type of fixtures is less than good in recent times. The fact we make a few changes as well. And even during the game, we kind of make ourselves weaker by taking off Mohamed Salah. You're always going to be weaker after that. So, new manager of all that type of stuff it was all there for Liverpool to slip up and we didn't and obviously you mentioned the fact that City then dropped points and I've said it for a while now and I haven't really changed my view on it just yet I mean maybe sort of mid-January time if it's still similar to the league table I'll have to say something different but get me in a title race with Arsenal right now you yeah. know, oh, yeah. I'll take that all day long you know what I mean and that's no disrespect to Arsenal because they're clearly a very very well drilled outfit who right now look like the best team in the league not just in points but in terms of eye test as well but yeah give me that running with Arsenal every day of the week because we've seen last year they weren't able to do it against Man City now we've been there and done it a few times we've come on the wrong end of it a couple of times of course but we have that course and distance of just winning 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 so yeah I'll take that all day long and for Liverpool yesterday I mentioned sort of the fact it could have been tricky for us get out of there with three points and a clean sheet and a nice comfortable 2-0 it literally literally couldn't have gone any better and I suppose well Pete like we saw last season it didn't have to in the end because City were able to take the, take the foot off the gas but it wasn't even 90 points you needed and this this season feels the same that you know 
the only thing I think you can just run away and steamroll 95, 98 points now, if we were able to do it with them at once, but I'm not sure where quite they would be City. That can't happen. That just isn't going to happen now. There's literally isn't enough games left. But it does feel like this this one of those title races that are going to be won somewhere between 85 and 92, maybe. And that and, and all of us, maybe, maybe less. Yeah. It, could be, it could be less. It could be somewhere, it could be in the, in the 80s. But it feels like that brings Liverpool and Arsenal way back into it. And both teams there would have been like, fuck, fuck, we got out of our one. Send them to Villa. We've got to go to Villa, by the way. And Arsenal go there this weekend, and who knows? That's going to be games, that like, tough games for both teams. But it does feel like, it, it, yeah, like I said already, I don't know. Are we in a title race? I don't know. Like, it's, it's it's way too early, and, and I understand it, but we're all thinking about it, really. Yeah. Anytime you see Manchester City just falling away a little bit, you, you can just have a little breather, a little bit of sigh of relief, and a, and a, and a fist pump well done when, it, when, it, when the final whistle blew at Villa Park. Yeah, well, it's, it's just, it's stressful, isn't it? You, you always want to win football games, but you know, at least when you lose, you're just fed up at footy and you turn it off. But at least when you win and you're watching everyone else, and you just hope <laughs> they all don't win, and then when you still find a way to get disappointed, even when you've won a game, don't you? But yeah, it's it's got to be exciting. You know, it's great for everyone. I think maybe other than us, City and Arsenal, I think even the Villa fans are just going to be obviously understandably really enjoying it. Spurs aren't out the mix, and you know, I think United are only three points behind City. I don't think they're going to win the league, but it's just so tight and it's exciting isn't it and I think we all would have said before the season came you know just top four that's all that's all mm. we really desperately want everything else is a bonus and you know, all you got to do is stay in the race of course we're all getting excited we're or watching Arsenal score a league goal against Luton and being disappointed that shows you're obviously thinking about title race you're not just thinking about top four but yeah it's it's just got to be a, a long race and we know better than Arsenal do because Arsenal did fall off last season when we've not won the league it hasn't really been our fault it's just because City are unbelievable and yeah. we're just a little bit less unbelievable so having that staying power as you said having that experience of players in there have done it before you know just fingers crossed City fall away and Villa don't turn into Leicester and we can have a title race with Arsenal and, and prove ourselves as the best yeah fingers crossed uh, if, I mean if Villa want to win at the weekend we'll take that it, it, yeah, it, it could take them closer to us but we'll, we'll, it'll make, give us a chance to get, get, get above Arsenal um, right then we'll park that one there for a moment the other news that came out yesterday Dan it's, we, we, we'll, we'll talk about it now we haven't had really had opportunity it was after the game Jürgen Klopp announced that Joel Matip's ruptured his ACL mm-hmm. he's going to need surgery that pretty much is going to end this season yeah. and potentially unfortunately his Liverpool career um, he's out of contract in the summer we'll see how Liverpool play that situation whatever but the initial thought was when he went down with an injury it was like knees are never a good thing I was worried about McAllister last night turns out he just got a, a, a bad cut thankfully but it was a, it, yeah it, it was a, it's a really sad bit of news not only for like uh, the career of John Matter with that is going to be the end of it, which we'll find out. But also, he's been really good this season, and Liverpool are going to miss him. Yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like his form, he has completely. He's changed kind of my opinion because I would come into the season a little bit concerned about John Matter because of the way he finished last season and stuff like that. I wasn't quite sure where we're out of him. And I think most people, if there'd have been offers like serious offers in the summer with only twelve months left on his deal, people would have considered selling him potentially if it meant we went and signed someone. Obviously, we didn't know at the time how good Joel Conte was going to turn out to be as well. Because because his rise has just been been frightening, quite quite honestly. So yeah, it's a, it's a massive blow. It's a really sad way for him to end his Liverpool career as well. Not deserved in any way, shape, or form because he's been an outstanding servant, one of the best free signings, perhaps not the very best. There's a conversation there, but yeah, he has been incredible for us. He's won everything for us as well. And as you say, his form this season's been been remarkable, really. Considering like I I felt a lot of the time like it's just going to be Canate all the time alongside Van Dijk, but Mass has been keeping him out and. And on merit as well, his form's warranted that. So, not a great way for it to end. And obviously, you know, from his personal point of view, he'll be gutted, of course. Liverpool will be gutted about him um, for his sake also. But what does it mean for us? Short term, it's a blow, obviously, because it means Canate and Gomez are going to have to cover a lot of footy in there for a while, and Quantum included a little bit as well. Whether we deal with it in January remains to be seen. I wouldn't be shocked in any way, because Liverpool probably had one eye on a place from Joel Matip anyway next summer. We might have to bring that forward now to the winter. It's worth mentioning, Pete, at the moment, Liverpool are without their first choice goalkeeper, their first choice left back, and and one of their first two choice centre backs as well. Dan mentions if you look at it on paper, Liverpool have got four centre halves who are all good enough left remaining because Quantas rise is right. But when one of those is Canata, who's injured, I call this Patchy, and the other one is Joey Gomez, who, to be fair, has actually been fit for a while, but is also. Currently, you back up right back and you back up left back. All of a sudden, the cupboard is starting to look a little bit bare. 
Liverpool decided not to sign a centre back for whatever reason in the summer. And Jürgen's quite rightly talked about how good Jello Quant has been and, and whatever. Do you think this might? We saw with Diaz and Gakpo that they, they were they were willing to bring a transfer forward for the good of the team, maybe to beat another team to a deal, or the team just needs a boost. Do you think this might change any January plans? Because we've all been saying, and you, we mentioned before about midfielders, like Liverpool got loads of them. We've all wanted one more. We we keep saying it. Do you think they might change tactics now? Actually, rather than go and sign the ninth midfielder or whatever it was going to be, do we look at a, a centre back now? Because you know you are you're back up right back, you being your left back up centre back, and now also you're back up full back. It it doesn't seem like Liverpool have got every basis covered there as much as he did pre, pre the John Matip injury. Yeah, yeah, it is a worry. It's it's obviously a worry, but I think Klopp said after the last game, as he said, um, I think. Jello Quantz has proven fans wrong that we didn't need to get another centre-back and we all wanted that, well, maybe not we all, a lot of loud people on Twitter after we signed all the midfielders were saying just one more centre-back and mm. we can really attack the season mm. and we have really attacked the season and maybe that one centre-back was Quantz but yeah, it's a worry with Matter. I think the, the decision was made, we'll see out his contract and we'll see how Quantz does and hopefully them two together can cover one position of the fourth best centre-back. Matter then forced himself to become the second best centre-back, playing against City he was probably the best player we had in the first half who could actually try and break through their defence and high press and we are really going to miss him but we saw last night we've got so many good options I I, I don't think we will sign anyone there maybe we do a, a Ben Davis and a, a shock no, a shock let's not do that a shock 35 year old loan deal <laughs> Stephen Corker or something <laughs> yeah well sort of like that, that. that happen, yeah hello yeah he, he does seem a bit cursed he can never actually leave us can he yeah. Phillips and, the, and we have got Reese Williams as well who I don't think is up the standards but I don't think we'll sign anyone else if we do it'll be a free transfer alone or it'll be someone coming back it depends it's and that's just what I think but, you know, but I'm happy to be wrong if we go and sign someone amazing but I just don't think we'll spend that that's money as well like see I, I don't know I think he might Dan, I must admit that because if he was out of contract and the noise was coming out was that he wasn't going to get a new one anyway yeah. I mean that might change now by the way we'll, we'll, we'll maybe touch on that but if they were going to if they were going to wait till the summer and let him go and give him his handshake and say nice one Joel thanks for that winners all the trophies arguably and I know Andy Bell friend of the show tweeted this the other day he'd put him in like the best Liverpool 11 he's seen he's been watching Liverpool since like the late 90s like he said it'd be Van Dijk and, and Matip and he that, that goes above Carragher that goes above Sammy it's a big call okay, yeah, it's a big but I think, call. I, think it's, it, I don't think it's a horrendous shout it's, it's a personal preference if the plan was shake thanks for the thanks for the memories see you later if that was always, the, they must have had someone lined up for next summer yeah, anyway. They might, if they can mm. get this this fella, whoever he is, mm-hmm. in January, it feels like it could be a wise move. If Liverpool are going to be in a title race and we think, you know, they should be doing well in Europe, they should be semi-finalists at least in Europa League. Mm-hmm. Who knows where this League Cup's going to be because they've got a quarter-final to play next week or yeah. something. It does feel like they're, they're leaving themselves short and they might do what they did with Gapo and Diaz and bring, bring one forward. I, I certainly would, yeah. And obviously they mentioned FA Cup there as well. We get through that third round title of Arsenal. All of a sudden we're, we're, we're chasing four trophies mid-January. We've done that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and Liverpool now look... We're very well versed on the centre-back issues when it comes to Gomez, um, injury-wise, and of course, Canate. And it looks as though we've realised the Canate one more than ever this season and the fact we simply can't get a tune out of him for, for 10 games on the spin. is not possible and you need that. Like Your best your best teams down the years, Premier League-wise especially, have had a settled centre-back partnership. You need to find that and for whatever reason, Liverpool have been able to do so because Virgil van Dijk, you know, barring you know, that horrendous injury he suffered against Everton, of course he's been a pretty much ever present whereas the other one has constantly been rotated and we've managed to sort of muddle through but when one of those goes down long term like Joel Matip has now and another one's Quanta who looks an incredible prospect of course can you really rely on a Gomez and Canate combination because what's to say that those two both won't be injured for a little period at the same time I wouldn't put any money on that I don't know about you guys so I think Liverpool have to enter the market for one and the fact as you said there Liverpool will definitely have had their eye on one because it looked like it was heading in the direction of Matip not getting a new deal it might have been 50-50 this has probably put the final nail in. I think Liverpool will be good to him in terms of letting him stick around, do whatever rehabilitation, make sure he gets back to fitness. But that doesn't go as far as giving him a new deal for my money because I don't think he would do it anyway, let alone this now. So I, Liverpool for me, I felt like we might have entered the market for one anyway, but I would have been a toss-up between do we go and get a midfielder? But with Pachetic coming back, he might get a little tune out of Thiago for the back end of the season, who knows? I'd probably park don't that for now. On, yeah, I'm not banking on that, no. <laughs> but I would probably park that because I think Pachetic 
which is definitely good enough to come and do a role within this squad. But with the massive injury now, I will be all in, all in on getting the defender and getting it done early as well because we both, we all alluded to that season where we lost them all. Obviously, massive went down in late January. That took a long time and then it was Kabak and Davis. We know early now, if there was a guy we had in mind for next summer, get the groundwork laid for the next two, three weeks and get him in early January because we're going to need him. No one in their right mind can say to me that we won't lose Joe Gomez and Canate at least one more time this season. We absolutely will. And even so if it's go not, and do it. Even if it's not one of those two, it's Trent and Robertson as well. Gomez, course, yeah. Gomez at the moment's the backup. To, sorry, Tim McCash because Robertson's out, but you know what I mean? Like, Gomez is the, is the, is the backup fullback in both of those roles. So mm. you are right. You've got to look after these lads and I, I I hope they do go and do something if they can. You've got to, you've got to bear this in mind. Course, yeah. if, if there's someone who they really desperately want and they can't get them, they might wait. But it does feel like, you know, the, the, it's always a risk when you keep, unfortunately, Liverpool, Pete, have got two injury-prone defenders. I wouldn't actually include Gomez in this. I don't, recently, yeah. I think he's been all right. He just, when he gets injured, it's often been like he's been whacked or yeah. something. I mean, he's been like the Van Dyke one. But Matip... And especially Canate just gets these muscle injuries. Canate more than anyone, he, he's always yeah. you know he, he's he's feeling it. Liverpool have got a lot of games to play this month already, and Jurgen's got to be very very careful with how he how he looks after Canate in particular. Yeah. It does feel like if if you can get through Jan- if you can get through it with the right, but there's another lad coming in January because you're not getting Matic back. You know that you know that now. He's there's, there's no it isn't like Thiago where oh well we, we could get him back. He's still an option. Matic is no longer an option. Liverpool at least have got clarity on the situation yes. now. Yeah. They know this isn't. This isn't like he's done his hamstring for two months and then you bring him back, but then it goes again. You know now he's this is Matthew Liverpool season done and maybe his career. There's a lot of clarity there. Whatever the manager and, and the you know, York Schmanker, whatever his decision is, they, they know all the information. There's no ifs and buts. Maybe as uh, James Redmond once famously <laughs> said on our channel, Liverpool know exactly what they've got to do here or what what the, what the hand they've been dealt. Yeah, well, that's it. but the options we've got is. Kanate, who I think we all agree is one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He doesn't maybe other teams don't know it yet because he's just not there enough. And Joe Gomez, who was probably you've said before, we've rotated a lot. He's probably the only centre back who's ever held the role next to Van Dijk. And I, I don't think those options are terrible. What it is is the number of games. That's the worry. That means Jello Conte plays a lot of football, and it's whether you promote someone again from the academy or whether you you try and get someone in. I just from from what we've done in the past and from the midfield gamble we did last year and. I just don't think we're going to do it. I'm not saying I don't want us to. I just yeah, yeah. I don't expect to see either a big money signing or any signing in the centre-back to come in January. And I think Klopp will have his reasons for it. And as I said before, I think if Quant, why is Quanta there, if not for this situation, to yeah. go and go and take his chance? And he'll play more football now. And he hasn't let us down once in my mind. To lose away probably wasn't great, but the whole thing wasn't great. But... You know, I'm happy for him to be given the chance. <laughs> there wasn't no whispers that Endo could play there as well. That's a very bad case scenario yeah, yeah. in February oh, when we get when we get four like injuries. No, I don't. I don't want that. But that is the list of the options that we've got, and I think that's how they'll survey it. And you know, I'm not saying I'm right. Or I'm not saying I even agree with what I'm saying. But I think what we've got is hopefully going to be enough. Liverpool have got four very good. Yeah. Listen, listen, the four players are great. Like no, they are really good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's just like yeah. yeah. I, I see. It's 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 Rafa's blanket thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, if he's be back up left back, he can also be back up right back. James Milner fell, fell foul of this. Who's your back up left back? James Milner signed. Okay, well. Trent's injured and now the left back's injured mm. and James Milner's like okay well I can't I, even I, I can't both. do both of these <laughs> yeah, at the exact exactly. same time all of them options are perfectly sound and you mentioned Joe Gomez in the Premier League winning season was absolutely incredible it's just unfortunate that he's picked up injuries as meant he's never been able to nail down that spot again likewise with Joel Matip and unfortunately likewise with Ibu Canate. and generally speaking I think you're right in what you're saying in terms of Liverpool's sort of pragmatic approach to these situations would kind of lend itself to not doing anything my only sort of niggling feeling in the back of my head on that is that because we were likely to do something anyway next summer you would yeah. imagine Liverpool haven't been adverse to fast forward in that done the whole in, way in, yeah, yeah exactly in the previous yeah. situations similar to this we've not had a plan because we didn't need to replace Joel Matip or Joe Gomez when they got injured because they had loads of years left on the contract yeah. and they were always going to come back and always be great whereas with Matip he's got no time left on his contract and he's not going to come back that's yeah. probably it like you say so for me that's a slightly different scenario yeah. because 
I agree. I think Quanta is going to be brilliant. I've got no qualms about that whatsoever. And I've got no qualms about seeing him from now until mid-January, if that has to be the case. Is an FA Cup game in there, we're probably going to see him. But longer term, if we're serious about winning silverware, not just the Premier League this season, go and get one. Because yeah. you were going to do it anyway no, next that, summer. I agree with you. No, don't but, get yeah, one. No, I get, but I still think with that midfield game, as I said, I don't think at last January we were definitely going to get McAllister, Sobers like Gavin Birch, and obviously Endo's different because of what happened. But I don't think they were necessary. Like if something had happened last season, I don't think those three would have been able oh, no. to be fast forwarded. So it's whether they have got that option. And we know it's if buts and maybe as we said before. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard to know who is lined up. If they are there, they are available. They cost twenty mil more. Then yeah, go and get them. Yeah. But I said I don't know who that player is. Yeah, but it is a shame though for, for Liverpool. Yeah, 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 like, that's we'll end on that one, Dan. Like. He has been excellent this season. He's had an excellent Liverpool career. You know, when you're arguing about the greatest free transfers in Liverpool's history, he, him and James Milner's name, and at least modern, are right, right near the top. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he arrived for Nottingham from Schalke, won, won everything, played loads of games, been mad, got one of the best Twitter accounts made in his, <laughs> in, in, in his, in his honour. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it is such a it's a, it's a it's a it's a cruel blow for him and and for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I echo everything you said there. He's been absolutely phenomenal uh, and massively underrated. To be honest with you, not necessarily within Liverpool fan base, but from the outside world, because people immediately drawn to Virgil Van Dijk and what he's capable of, and rightfully so. But there's been countless games within the past few years whereby Matip's outperformed Van Dijk in certain games not necessarily across the course of a season but in certain games because he is just phenomenal and all the amazing runs he goes on some of the mad moments as you say the reactions and stuff the goals he's shifting as well that goal against Leeds United will live long in the memory he has been genuinely outstanding as you mentioned to get him for free is just ridiculous business like he'll go down as one of the best transfers regardless of free transfers Liverpool have pulled off because his service to the club albeit you know occasionally he's been injured a little bit too much for all I like and of course he has but when he's been out and one of his greatest strengths actually and Chris alluded to it last night was the fact that he doesn't take any time to get back up to speed he has a little layoff and he walks straight back into the team like he's never been away like his recovery in terms of his form is just incredible and he very rarely and people will be putting at all sorts of incidents and games. I don't remember him having too many bad games no. in Liverpool. Sure, I think he's been brilliant pretty much from day one. So credit to him for that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm going to miss no context massive if that, if yeah, that, if that does uh, end up as it. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll tie the matter up one of days. But if I think you spoil it, you did say he's one of Liverpool's greatest ever signings. We have nice. we have we have got a show coming out over nice. Christmas, the top ranking the top fifty of those shining of those signings. And spoiler alert, I'll give you a little hint now. John Matip will be on there somewhere. I'm not going to tell you exactly where, but he is on there. Pete knows as well. Pete's been filmed for it. So, yeah, that'll be available on Red Men Plus nearer the time. Right, guys, we'll end the show there. Thank you so much for coming in for this one. All you guys at home, thank you so much for tuning in as well. We'll be back with another final word after Liverpool hopefully beat Crystal Palace after we can see you all soon. <laughs>